Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Merlin. How's every little thing? Oh, well, that's it. You just described it. It's just a bunch of little things. It's all little things now. Hmm. Yeah, I don't have a. I don't have any big things left. I I I can't believe that you said those words because mm. I, I just wrote some things down on a card, and I'm not going to tell you any of them mm-hmm. because they're all little things, and mm-hmm. I either sound like an '80s comic or Irma Bombeck. <laughs> and, and you, know, I, you, you do remind me of Irma Bombeck. Yeah, with the cancer in the a funny, positive the, way. You know what's funny is uh, no, no, and you know she passed, I think, but mm. the um. You know, I try not to prepare for anything too much. I've learned in life, as you know, John, that, you know, just listening to the other person is really how I learn. And <laughs> just saying yes. You just like, you just say yes. You never say no. Hmm. I, you were about to say no, weren't you? I, uh, little things. Little, little things. things. Yeah, no, I don't, I hate all of these. I don't know if you saw, I put a photo on the internet earlier today of, of my archive of, of our cards. Have I shown you this? No, got it. I'll love send you the link. I, I think I did a quick count. I did that uh, a thing uh, where you take half and then half of that, you know, you can multiply, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, or if got, you take a three by five card and you fold it in half and you fold it in half again mm-hmm. and then you fold it in half again. Mm-hmm. What is that called? And then you fold it in half again. Hmm. I'll write that down. Is that there's called only, card folding? Seven ways. You can't do it more than seven times, right? Yeah, card. there's only so many times you can fold it before you. I heard the Mythbusters guys did that, but they put a can through somebody's house when they did it. Card folding. They put a. They threw a bowling ball through somebody. Did you hear front. about that? Did you hear about that? Who didn't hear about that? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I mean, uh, there, probably yeah, there were yeah. three or four wars going on uh, around the world. Like mm-hmm. little little people were being burned alive with flamethrowers in their huts. But I heard about the MythBusters bowling ball all day that day. Was it a bowling ball? I can't. It was a cannonball, right? I don't know. Did it happen in Ireland? Where did it happen? I thought it happened in San Francisco, where all things happen. No, I don't. I, th- I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he shits where he eats. They were. They were in Ireland. Do you think? Are oh, you just saying that because he has red hair? No, <laughs> you're like, oh, it was in Ireland. No, R two D two. I. Funny thing. I. I don't know. I. I don't know why. When I first heard that story, for some reason, I thought it was somewhere in like a, a green, green and loamy part of the UK. But I don't think it was. It was like Michigan. Where did it happen? Well, Michigan is the Ireland of the Upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Warren Zevon used to say. Um, <laughs> he sure did. He passed also. He definitely passed. He loved those sandwiches. But now you've Card got me saying folding. he passed. He died. He died. <laughs> he didn't pass. <laughs> he died. And uh-huh. so did Irma Bombeck. But Irma Bombeck died from being old. I don't. If she had cancer, it was just the cancer of being old. I think she had the breast cancer. She was. She was like eighty thousand years old. I disagree. I would be surprised if she. You was think m- Irma Bombeck died prematurely? I mean, doesn't everybody die prematurely, John? Well, I guess. So if, if give, me, you, give me a couple of people who didn't die prematurely. If you read Heinlein and think that we should all be living in in uh, cyrogenic prolongation. <laughs> have you been sleeping? I have not been sleeping. <laughs> I have not slept very much. You say it Heinlein or Heinlein? Well, see, now I, I'm going to get... I'm going to get run up the geek flagpole because I say Heinlein, but I, maybe it's Heinlein. Well, then what's the thing? What's the train in New York? That's the Heinlein. Okay. It sounds a little bit ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> like you, got, like you got a little speech impediment. And if you put your hand up in the air and someone else hits it, it's a high five. Heinlein. Uh-huh. He- Heinlein. Hein- <sighs> a little things. Little things. Boys are all terrible. None of these make any sense at all. Irma Bombeck. Irma Bombeck. Irma Bombeck I, I don't know where you Google this, but my sense is that she was probably six, so 
Where would you Google it? My sense is that she was probably 67, 62, or 80. She was 69. (laughs) (laughs) High five, am I right? 420. That's right. The grass is always greener over the 80-year-old woman. Actually, whoa. It's four. We've been talking for four minutes and 20 seconds, just as I said. Hang on, dude. Give me the hottest. Yeah. I have not had enough coffee. I do not. I do not miss marijuana. Hmm. I was going to ask you about oh, tuning that's guitars. Heavy. That's a heavy statement. You don't miss marijuana. Not a lick. Mm-mm. Because of all the things. Well, that's not true. There are a lot of things I miss. No, go ahead. Judge me. It's funny. I, I can feel it coming. It no, it's, the not a judgment. it's not a judgment. But marijuana sometimes makes sense. For instance, if you want to. <laughs> marijuana sometimes wanna, makes sense. If you want to sit in the bathtub and masturbate all day, marijuana is Did you do that in the bathtub? Masturbate? Not anymore. I haven't in years. But was there water in it? Back in the old, <laughs> you just go sit in the bathtub <laughs> in your clothes and masturbate because you don't want to get it on anything. I think you're assuming, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, as you know, John, I think you're assuming a lot of things not in evidence when you sit, talk about being high and masturbating in a bathtub. Well, There's a lot listen, of ways that could go. Listen. Uh, uh, you might not know you're day, in the bathtub or masturbating. Particularly when you don't have, when you don't have a lot of resources mm-hmm. and you're, you're sharing a living arrangement with other people or, or maybe you're crashing. Cable's been place. turned off. And you don't, and yet there are times when you need to masturbate. It's a, it's an important physical thing you need to do. Mm-hmm. And there just aren't that many places you can get away. Maybe you don't have your own bedroom. Maybe you're sleeping on their couch and then they're, they're all standing around staring at you. I, I think that's why bathrooms became popular. I mean, yeah, let's, let's be honest. Anybody, you ask any man, I've seen you urinate in some, in some really exotic places and really more disturbingly mm-hmm. in some very mundane places. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing is, there's got, no mundane place to urinate when you really have to go. No, it's every all, one of them is the Taj Mahal of urination. Each one is like a little fucking magic kingdom. Yeah, and, it's and like, so hello. nobody, like, no guy sitting around going, Ooh, I need to close the door to go blast a tinky. You know, and I right. think as you get older, you get more comfortable. You could drop a deuce anywhere, but I think you want a little bit of privacy because that dander, you know, that's not something you want people to have to share the dander. And so, so you don't want to high. You don't want to stand. You don't want to sit on the toilet and masturbate like some kind of animal. I would rather do that. Than like, be in, I would rather do that. I'm sorry, John. I don't want to interrupt you. I would rather do that than be in the bathtub. I don't understand masturbating. In, you know, oh in the, like underwater. Well, not completely underwater. See, that's the thing. This is the thing. When you're a young guy, you think, oh, sex underwater is going to be amazing. Ugh, worse. Because it has everything that you you need. You want. You're underwater. You're, the girl with the pool. Her parents are out of town. This is going to be pool, awesome. And, and you feel like you're, you're, you feel lightweight. You're bouncing around like you're on the surface of the moon. Yeah. You're in the swimming pool. But having sex underwater, as everyone who's done it knows, is, is terrible. It's a, that's not how it's meant to be done. Yeah. We're, we've evolved from being fish or turtles, and now we have sex on land. It's like fucking corduroy. But if you are high, mm-hmm. and you're sitting in somebody else's bathtub, eating some grilled cheese sandwiches that you may <laughs> or may not have made, it is a fantastic place to masturbate. You just don't fill the tub all the way up with water. It's a half, half tub of water you're eating grilled cheese and and, and masturbating in half a tub of water <laughs> this you know is a what? long time ago and and i was very high <laughs> that's a good 
<laughs> you know, it might have been a safety precaution. You might have said but, to yourself, before I even smoke this, I'm going to draw a line in the tub. The, the water must go no higher it, than this. That's right. That's right. That's right. And there's a, there should be a bath mat. I should have well, everything this is a, I this need This is here. a family program, but I, I'm mm. resisting asking you a lot of questions. Yeah. Well, don't, don't, yeah. don't censor yourself. You know, if there's mm. something you want to know, then just ask. I don't know. It's weird. You know how, like I say, the drunk people shouldn't drive because their judgment is impaired? Oh, yeah. Is that something you say? Is that one of your catchphrases? I think I saw it in Look I'm Merlin Man, and drunk people shouldn't drive. <laughs> it is said. I think I saw that in Look Magazine. I don't remember. But I uh, I was just thinking the other day about how, how stupid high people are. And oh. and in the same way that I think the drunk people probably shouldn't decide whether they're going to drive, I, mm-hmm. I the high people... Just have a lot of of confidence about the possibilities in the world, which is really mm. stupid. You know, mm. I mean, I guess that's good. Whatever. I mean, you know, something we talked about in like the first or second visit that I still want to get back to is the extent to which drugs really have permanently fucked us up. Something mm. I used to believe was a myth, and I increasingly think are might be a very distinct possibility. So I just yeah. want to say, I think you know, you get oh, you know, if I ever become president, pot will be legal and we'll free the dragons. It's like okay, great, you know. I'm I'm glad we have an electoral system where you can you know release the dragons or whatever. I think the thing about marijuana of of, of all other drugs is it absolutely interferes with your sense of the causality of things. Like you you lose your capacity to be to think in a linear fashion, and that's why that's why the the myth of pot being a mellow drug is so insidious because it isn't mellow. The the most stressed out people I ever met are pot are pot stoners and the reason that they're stressed out is that they can't remember how they got here you know they mm-hmm. can't remember the series of things that they did to arrive at their current situation and they cannot fathom what series of things they can do to to that's to a move really on. good you know what that's a really good way to put it. i was gonna ask you if you meant causality past or future but it's both it's yeah, not, yeah it's not only i don't understand why i'm sitting in a car it, it no. could it could really also be like why can't a, why, why why can't a goat be in the Congress? <laughs> yeah, everything when you're stoned, everything becomes atomized, the, yeah. the, and everything looks like a discrete little moment. And so you're like, whoa, dude, did you did you see that flower? But, right. You see but, you see you see the phones, but there's no uh, cords plugged into any of them. Exactly. <laughs> and so stoners are these people that are like, I'm so mellow. I'm so mellow. Dude, why the fuck? What the dude? Come on, man. You know, and then they, they lose their shit. I hate, I hate being that high so much. And I think that's one reason I don't do it. It's not fun for me. It, it hurts my immune system. It makes me paranoid. But I really hate being that high. People in the entertainment business that smoke a lot of pot, the, the worst combination are, because if you're a, if you're a roadie, and you smoke a lot of pot. That's fine. You don't. You don't really need. You're, you're, nobody's asking you to do the big picture, right? You're just. You move the amps on stage. You hook them up. It's the same every night. You can. You can mechanize that process. But when your road manager is a stoner, when people who are running clubs are stoners, that's where like money goes missing. That's where it's like, oh, we got to cancel the show because. Oh, I, I think I saw some snow. You know, they they they. Well, the road manager they make is, bad there, is there anybody in the world that has to have 
more access to what you might call multitasking. I don't love that word, but for somebody who's able to think, not simply linearly, right? Certainly there has to be somebody who knows which order the states go in, yeah. right? Like that's <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're going to be in this state before we're in that state. And that's, that's good right. to know. Right, and, and, not confusing road, Saturday with the other Saturday. Right, road managers. Well, see that—that's like just. That, I mean, that is that is more difficult than it sounds. But, but it. But like, if you got a flat, knowing within seconds which three people to call in which order. Right, that's but the that, kind of thing. But, I, I high or not, I, I'm not fast at that, and some people are. They know yeah. exactly, and they're already doing it. Right, but those are skills that that even an interstate truck driver can master. Not not to cast aspersions on anyone who is driving an interstate truck because I think some of that work is God's work. You're, scared, but, you're still scared of the Teamsters, aren't you? <laughs> but those, you know, have you, ever, a lot of lumber. have you ever driven across America in the middle of the night? And I and I've done I've done the entire trip in the middle of in the middle of one night. It's uh, <laughs> there are a lot of trucks out there, all without a Fedrin. Um, but as speaking of a Fedrin, write that down on a note card. I'd Got like to right get back to a Fedrin. Fedrin. Oh, I'm, but, I'm, uh, I'm madder than ever about California and drugs. But the thing about the thing about uh, road managers is, or, or people in the entertainment business that have to master some technical aspect, or a lot of technical aspects, but also deal with with artists and personalities. So it's not enough that they have mm. to know the order that the states are in, but they also have to tend to some weeping little rock star that whose PlayStation three can't boot up or whatever. And, and to, uh, those are such separate skill sets to be good at both things. And I think there are a lot of people in Hollywood who have this job too, where they have to minister to these, uh, you know, these uh, flamboyant and, and completely untethered people personalities do you think and that's, do you also really think that's real you think that's real? how electricity works oh my god are absolutely real hmm. anybody who got famous before the age of 27 i don't think can have possibly have amassed the life skills the skill set necessary to not be a, a total horse's ass for the rest of their life you know like if you if you got famous before you were 27 and you have managed to be a decent person you are an anomaly mm-hmm because, I don't know. I, no, I, I totally agree with you. And it's why, I mean, there's so many things that I've wished for that I'm glad I never got. Like, right. Being born rich. Well, it would be nice. Cock. This is the nice thing about being 45, is this is the perfect age to find out that your family is actually extremely rich. Sing anyway. it, sister. <laughs> no, I think about like, uh, okay, it sounds like you were wired pretty well. You had your orange pants, you had your encyclopedia. But, you know, I think about myself and, like, how much of an emotional child I, I am even today. And can you imagine suddenly, like, the Ford agency or whatever gets you a gig and you're on some Disney show suddenly or whatever? I, I know it's not exactly that simple, but there are certainly stories. Mm-hmm. I imagine there are people, on, you know, just showed up on Saved by the Bell pretty quickly or whatever. But all of a sudden, at this age... Anytime after like three and before 27, like if you suddenly have, are surrounded by people telling you that you are great and everything is great and giving you just probably terrible advice, you know, you know, you, don't get me started on the whole idea of agency in general, but mm-hmm. you're surrounded by people who, who literally it's like, you know, and loco parentis, there are people making decisions about your life around you. Right. I well, mean, and that and is it, before you're old enough to appreciate, I think part of getting older is realizing that greatness like tremendous creativity artistic talent beauty uh ability greatness in all its forms is still 
not worth that much in the grand scheme of things. Like there mm -hmm. are so many people in the world that even your greatness is just a hill of beans. And I think if, if you are told that you're great at a young age, your, your natural inclination as a person is to think that greatness is some like transcends somehow because we all have this, uh, we all have this belief that, that we're going to arrive at a certain age and it's going to be coasting from then on. Right. <laughs> Like you're going to get to a certain point if I, and then if it's If I can posted. just turn 14, it'll if all I, be downhill. That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, my God. And I still fall for it. I'm, 40, I'm 43 now. And it's like, oh, boy, well, but hope by the time I'm 46. Really, you feel like you fall for that because I feel like you counsel people consistently and trying to help people that you counsel them often. Half a dozen times we discussed that there is no arrival. There is no coronation. Right. Nobody's going to make you Lord of the Indie Rock. In your own mind. There, I mean, in my own mind, there is still some some room in the very center of the house where you open the, the door and there's a red light bulb in the room, first of all. And there's a little boy sitting Indian style playing with a combination of uh, the Guns of Navarone playset and some Legos and some Hot Wheels. And you look at him and you go, what do you got? And he says, well, I hope by the time I'm 45, I don't have to. I don't have, have, to deal have with fantasies any, about imaginary I have, children. I don't have to deal with any of this shit anymore. You know, right. I just, I just don't want to deal with any of this shit anymore. And, and of course, that moment never arrives. But if you are, if you're told that you, you are fantastic and that greatness matters, and that your particular greatness is unique, then I have to say, every new day, every new frustration has to be a double slap in the face to you. Like, why do I have to deal with this shit? Don't you realize? Well, it's, it's, it's like the, the antibacterial the soap. I'm trying to get off the antibacterial soap because I think all I'm doing... You ever not finish penicillin, right? You ever not finish your antibiotics? That's like taking... Good, you know what? I'm going to capture that's good for you. So uh, you take the V-cillin? V-cillin? No, don't take any cillin. Good for you. Good for you. And that's probably why you're such a bacterial viral mess. <laughs> when, I get, when I get sick, I go sit out in the rain and, and I say... All right, virus, it's you or me. All right, first of all, it's not a virus because you can't kill those with penicillin. Sure I can. say, all right, bacteria, you think you're tough? How do you like this cold rain? This is what all the great men have done. Voltaire <laughs> sat in the rain. Mm -hmm. Mussolini, rain. Mm -hmm. That's right. Okay, ill rain, they call so, it. So, so Mussolini's in your list of all, of all the great men? I have a lot of cards, John. All the great um, men. I, Mussolini I, and... And Pol Pot, he sat in the rain. He's a snappy dresser. Okay, now listen, I, I want to finish this. I agree with you, except to say that I think the, 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 the false greatness is a, an important but somewhat tertiary point. Hmm. What I, what, I mean, yes, absolutely. But the thing is, that's true for anybody who's got a fucking BMW before they've had a job. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm sorry to sound envious, Rich but I'm, yeah. I'm not even yeah. envious. I'm really actually jealous of those yeah. people. <laughs> okay, a, sure. Okay, it's a fine distinction, you know, unless you're a, a dictard, like all mm -hmm. those guys with the fucking BMWs. Screw those guys. I, you, know, I, I, you know what? We have a black German car. We have a black German car that is 16 years old. Wait a minute. Yeah, your black German car is one of those tiny little things that fits in a, yeah. in a, garage, in a San Francisco garage. You know, what's funny is um, the car that we have it was... Uh, Probably the somewhat of not to say official, but it was like the official car of the guy who never made any money in the dot com revolution. <laughs> Everybody had a late nineties Jetta, like it was just black Jetta. It's what you had. Yeah. But I, I like to hope that that I'm not a total douche. I'm I, I'm constantly astounded by how many complete dicks drive BMWs. I know. Well, let's save that for a whole car episode. Well, but the I'm, thing is that uh, that the, the, the BMW drivers are missing out on the Farfig Nugent. 
Yes. Which is the joy of driving. Yeah. No, no, it's absolutely true. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. Do you ever see the uh, Xfinity from Comcast? Do you get, get, get the Comcast up there? Oh, sure we do. Well, Comcast, you see big trucks, is Xfinity. Oh, I, I hate John, those guys. you know, as we speak right now, I have two different accounts with Comcast. This is a show I could not have done with you two years ago because I didn't have Xfinity yet. I cannot even tell you how the fact that I now have exactly the same fucking coaxial cable coming into my house, but now it's called Xfinity. It's changed everything. <laughs> so you understand? Now, it's uh, copper. It's branded copper. I think I have Xfinity too, but how do you tell if you have Xfinity? What is Xfinity? Do you consider yourself to generally be a happy and well-adjusted person? No. Fuck you. You don't have Xfinity, <laughs> asshole. Damn it. I you, think I do have Xfinity. You're, you know what? Your Farfic Nugent is loading too slowly. I get things in the mail all the time that say Xfinity. I up. get it constantly. I, th- I throw them in the garbage. Are some of those important? You fucked up. Can I ask you another question? When's the last time you felt deep down in your gut, you're laying there trying to sleep, the aliens are knocking. When's the last time you felt a really profound sense of hospitaliano? <laughs> uh, uh, what if I? What, it, what, the last time I felt a hospitaliano, hospitaliano, deep in your heart, you felt that combination of hospitality and, and Italian food. Hospitaliano. You've never been to an Olive Garden. Ah, uh, no. I, well, no, that's not true. I have been to an Olive Garden. Like like Doctor Seuss books, it ends uh, it ends with an unnecessary exclamation mark. I'm not going <laughs> to demonstrate it. I've been to an Olive Garden, and I've also been to a, what's the other one? The uh, one with the uh, oh, a Cheesecake Factory. I've been to both of those. Places. Oh, the Texas Cheesecake Depository. <laughs> that, that that is that is a farcical restaurant. That and the what's the one? Load uh, Load Jammers. What's it no. called? What's the one? Claim Jumpers. <laughs> I, I've, I've never been to a Claim Jumpers, but I went to those <sighs> places, and I went to an Outback. Steakhouse because I do not want to be living. Oh, I love an Outback Steakhouse. I, this is the same reason that I started going on 4chan. I don't want to be living in a world where I don't understand what people are talking about. Okay, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna write down one word here, two words. I'm gonna write down our mall, and I'd like you to ask me about it later. I'm gonna put it aside. Right. I want to. Uh, they, they put a cheesecake factory oh, in the center of downtown Seattle. Uh, and, it's an and, abortion. It's a fucking abortion. There was a line. There was a line. Seriously, a line that went around the block for th- for weeks at a time. And I was like, of course. "This place must have the most fantastic cheesecake in the world." It, c- c- you know, why? Because the catchphrase for the place should be twenty three dollars to show the world why they're right. You go in there, and it's a bunch <laughs> of fucking selfish, insane, diabetic, fat ass. No offense, fat ass wow. Americans sitting down. Tough talk. And- We'll be back in a minute. Eating giant, <laughs> giant, giant portions of really, really unhealthy food. It was the first time, first time I ever saw a blooming onion, which I don't think they. Oh, I think that's, that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's a lot of added value. I think that's. I think that's a copyrighted phrase. I don't think they can. Oh call no, it, it absolutely is. Well, you can go. There's a Wikipedia entry on this. I think. Did we talk about this? Yeah, yeah. You, oh, you, you, this you is talked the first about blooming onion conversation I've ever had. Oh, you. We talked about this. It's all about value added service. You don't oh, see. Sure. Sure, you sure, see, sure. you see all onion and no bloom. You don't understand the, that all the, the value is in the bloom. snooters and the jalapeno poppers. Jalapeno poppers, animal <laughs> nitrate poppers. Okay, I'm, sh- I'm gonna write this down real quick. Hospitaliano, because I want to finish my thought here. But um, hospitaliano is a trademark phrase uh, employed by the Olive Garden to make you feel like you're having an just, exotic. Yeah, you'd have experience. to go to Alta Vista or Excite to look that up. Vista, and I'm getting rid of because you're not taking it. Um, okay, so here's here's what I think. Hospitaliano and our mall. Um, yes. You have a mall? Oh, I got to tell you about this mall, buddy. A I new was, mall. Oh, God. I, I, I was madder than an onanist in a bathtub this week. I got to tell you about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of the entire sunset area of San Francisco, which is a very large part of the city. Yes. I can't think of a single mall in it. I think it was your, God damn it, NIMBY and mall. It, was it not the PNW probably where NIMBY was invented? 
it's a very popular I cannot think, sentiment up here. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> NIMBY. Right. Or at least it was before people realized that being called a NIMBY was exactly the same as having the phrase first world problem shouted at you <laughs> by somebody that has like that still that still has one that still has a rat tail or a right. or one dreadlock. First world problem, yeah. NIMBY. It's 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 the. It's I just the, learned about first world problems. I, re- I just learned. About, I read about it in the New York Times, and my copy was a little wet. <laughs> first world problem. Have you ever subscribed to the New York Times? I have subscribed what to a it. Fucking and, death march. I bought well, that for my problem. wife. I, I feel okay. I feel here we go. We're another deeper to, in the stack. New York I feel Times. obligated to read every word, and so it's costly. Times, it's very costly. It comes every day, and it takes three hours to read. Even if even the thin ones, if you if you are obligated to read every word. Oh, dude! And we, so I would sit and just read this thing. It was like, oh, this march through history. Well, in fairness to the New York Times. Who are idiots? The um, the whoever was delivering it, somebody was stealing our paper basically every day. So even when we dialed it down to just weekends, mm-hmm. we got it maybe one out of three days. That was Someone was stealing your paper. I mean, you have to go up a long flight of stairs to get to your door. Don't be creepy. It was somewhere. The thing is, we asked them to to make it go up the stairs. But they wouldn't do that. And so, uh, it, but oh. here's the thing. Now, before that, for a while. I signed up for the introductory offer where you got the New York Times every day and we guiltily sat there and read the equivalent of a short book every day. Um, but here's the thing also. I, I This is not interesting. I'm, I, I got it under one of those special deals. And sure, then the special, that's how they get you. Then the They're special like deal dealers. went away and I realized I was spending, spending $100 a month on a newspaper. Mm. And that just made me angry. Okay, New York Times, quick, 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 NIMBY. Oh, man. Oh, John, I'm lost. No, I, your mall. Your mall. You're I know, but I, I have something very deep in the stack that's important. Uh, oh. Let's come back to the mall because that's a long one. Hospitaliano. You know, Hospitaliano, before they officially put it on the menu, my friends and I knew about the unlimited salad and breadsticks for $6. And you do not want a college student. You do not want a group of giddy college students high on Coke refills, refills to, to know about the, the salad and breadsticks. That, that, that's a Waitron's worst nightmare. Well, but here's the thing. Yeah. And I'm going to say, here's, here's the thing, here's the thing the about Hospitaliano. Until the day I die. If you want true Hospitaliano, if you're in college and you are, and you're thinking, and, and the idea of unlimited salad bar and breadsticks appeals to you, yeah. let me introduce you to the <laughs> Subway meatball sandwich. You know how many meatball sandwich? I mean, that, sure, that was my go-to. That was my original go-to Subway. The, the price has gone up, but I don't think you can get two meatball sandwiches for seven bucks anymore. You get to put chili on it? <laughs> But you buy man, a lot of food in pairs. I, you, buy, you buy a I, I clutch do. of you buy like a clutch of sandwiches pretty often. Early early on in the touring of uh, touring life of the long winters, there was a joke among the other guys in the band, which was extra meat for a dollar. We'd sit down at the at the at the table, and I'd I'd always be the last one to sit down because I'm parking the van or whatever, and and I'd walk up to the table. They'd all be looking at the menus, and they would have. They would have searched the menu to see if anywhere on it it says extra meat for a dollar. <laughs> and then they'd be like, hey, John, guess what? Extra meat for a dollar. I'd be like, whoa, really? Extra meat for a dollar? <laughs> it's the first time in three days you guys had bonded. Double it up. Double uh, it up. Oh, I, you know. Oh, but I used to sit in the bathtub and eat those meatball sandwiches <laughs> when I was in college. And I would get super baked. And sit in the bathtub, and not you don't even need a napkin. You're just in the bathtub. You, you, you use the bathtub like other people have friends. Meatballs covered in meatball sandwich. I was covered from my eyebrows well, to my What to could my be knees. more efficient? What could be more efficient, though? If you put like a little bit of a drain catch in there, like a, like a, like a loose screen, like an archaeologist would have, you're not going to have a problem. Not a problem. You get a, little, you get a little more ballier or meatier than you want, hit the shower. Boom. Start over. Hit reset. Fill That's that right. tub halfway up. 
spark a doobie and just jerk just, your gherkin. Just like just like the ancient people, because I feel yes, like yes. ancient people when they ate, when they had a meal, they were covered in sauce. Let's just call it sauce. <laughs> They were covered, covered in, in ancient sauce from from their eyebrows to their knees. They were covered in sauce because they had to get all the way inside the the boar, right? I mean, I I don't know if what, you, you mean ever, like 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 getting like like warming Luke in a tauntaun. What are you talking about? Basically, I, uh, one time many many years ago, we we uh, a group of people and I went down went down to the Pike Place Market here where they throw the fish. Yep, and we said to the by, we by, said by the, the original Starbucks, if memory serves. Uh, just down the block, and we went to the to the old old fashioned butcher that is there at the Pike Place Market. And we said, "We want a goat. We're 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 hippies, and we want a whole goat. We want to to eat a whole goat." And the guy said, "Ah, we don't have goat. Uh, it takes it takes me like like eight days to get a goat because I have to special order. Nobody eats goat in America." He said, "But I got a but I have a I can get you a sheep." And we said, "All right, we wanted a goat." But the, we'll well, I'm sorry, John. What the fuck kind of response is that from a butcher? Well, it was uh, nowadays. I bet you you go down there and some guy with a tattoo on his neck uh, and uh, a faux sure. hawk tells you, "Oh, what kind of goat do you want to do? You want a you know a San Francisco goat or do you always want mentions he used to be in goat? Always mentioning he used to be in a ska band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, they got they got goats. They got every kind of artisanal goat you can buy now. But at the time, this is 1993 three or something they they weren't just they weren't throwing goats at you you had to you had to make it you had to special and this guy was willing to get us a goat but he was like there's an eight day waiting period that would bring in the tourists if they started throwing some fucking goats <laughs> and we, yes it would and we were like <laughs> we we're like all right we don't we, we want it we want it today right i mean we didn't we we were stoners we couldn't think eight days in advance so he gives us this sheep an entire sheep and uh, and we cart it back to this house, and it was right in the center of town. I don't know what we were thinking, but we dug a pit in the backyard, <laughs> and we filled it. Did full any of you have any experience with goat cooking or sheep no, cooking? No, none of us. It was just it was just some. <laughs> I think it was one of the girls had this idea, like we should eat a goat, and then off we went, you know. And so we we dig a pit in the backyard, we fill it with coals, and uh, we wrap this entire goat in aluminum foil, and we throw it in the pit, and we cover it with dirt. We sit there. For the afternoon, this goat is underground, and uh, but by, by mid afternoon, we dig the goat up, and um, and it's uh, you know, it kind of catches on fire for a while because um, because the fat once don't, it's they exposed, burn it, super easy, don't they? Yeah, just just ca- just caught right on fire. Where do you think the lanolin sh- comes from? Sheep. Well, that's a, that's exactly right. That's they come from the sheep, although from the furry part, right? Hmm. But anyway, so we get this goat out, and and we pull it out of the ground, and it's all covered in. In uh, in dirt and stuff where the foil had fallen apart, and uh, and everybody kind of backs away from it because it's it's a uh, it's a whole it's this whole carcass that's uh that's now like black. Nobody wants to come come close to it, and so somebody somebody's like, well, you know, who's gonna, what do we do now, kind of thing, and so I walk over to it and I start to kind of poke at it. And uh, I say, give, give me some, give me some plates, give me some trays, you know. And uh, and I start to take this sheep apart, a little bit by bit, and kind of find the meat and 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 separate it and put it over on this tray. And pretty soon, I'm covered in sheep sauce. Like I'm up to my elbows in this sheep, and everybody's standing around and and, every, and everybody's kind of panting, like. <sighs> and they're they're of course we're hippies, right? So there are dogs all around, but they're but they're well-trained dogs, so they're all 
kind of like attentive standing there like <sighs> and and there's like we have a keg i guess and people start showing up and i'm i'm in this sheep and i'm pulling it apart and pretty soon i'm like taking big handfuls of it and eating while i'm while i'm pulling the sheep apart and other people kind of join in pretty soon everybody's up to their elbows in this in this sheep and we're we're all covered with grease and it was the most bacchanalian experience of my whole life so pretty soon we're, this thing that we were extremely timid about approaching at first, we're just all diving into this thing. And by the end of it, by the end of the evening, there was not a bit of that sheep left. The dogs had eaten all the bones, completely eaten them. We had devoured, people were licking the trays. Like, and we we all this had is, but this is hippies we all had raging boners like <laughs> it was it was bonkers i still think about that time whenever i whenever i need a boat boost of confidence whenever i've like got a got my tie on and i'm downtown and i'm about to go see some magistrate about some trumped up charges that they've got to try and keep to try and keep me down so that my wisdom isn't spread yeah as i'm about to walk into the magistrate's office i think Right, right. I was once covered in. I was once in a sheep. I know what it's like. I am a. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Ah! If you can devour a goat, you can beat that rap. See what I'm saying? And that's an experience I don't think a lot of people have. But what I realized later was I had had a proto experience with a meatball sandwich <laughs> in a bathtub. Like I understood that sense of being, I understood that feeling of being covered in sauce. It's very important. Initially, you were a little timid. I, I approached that meatball sandwich. You said, with you said, give me, give me something to poke at it. I was, because most people sit down at a table and they're like, I have right. to eat this meatball sandwich without getting dirty. Oh, but that, it, but that is that, wrong. No, that sandwich starts with shame and fear. That sandwich eat, starts. Think about this, John. Let me ask you this: You take a live animal and throw it in a hot pot. It makes a little screaming noise, which is actually the flesh tearing away from the bump or tearing away from the shell. Now you're talking about a, a sea animal. I'm talking about a sea animal. It starts out black and ends up red. You're not going to throw a live mammal in a pot. One step at a time. <laughs> One step. Okay. And what do they do? In the, the vicious act of taking a live animal, the only way to have this animal be really tasty is to have the water super hot and the <laughs> lobster. A, a crab or a lobster. And the lobster be very, very alive. You throw right. a lobster into boiling water and cook it. And then yeah. somebody takes some butter from a cow and heats it up and puts it next to you. Somebody takes a fucking lobster that was alive a few minutes ago and puts it on your plate. And what's the first thing you do? You oh, put, you put a napkin on. Yeah, put on a plastic bib with oh. a picture, a drawing of a lobster <laughs> yeah. on it. Yeah. Right? See, that's, that's the point at which you are divorced from your animal nature. When that you is, put on that bib. That's a meal that begins with an apology. In, in what, your case, you're, you're saying... You're absolutely right. You, the, the lobster experience should be, they put that lobster in front of you, and you take off your fucking shirt. That's, that's what that should be. You should take off your shirt and draw a lobster on your chest. No, no, no. no. Take, the, take the lobster's wife that's still alive. <laughs> attach it to your head with a rubber band. So it's almost <laughs> like... It's almost like... So it can see. Oh, no, 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 it's got to see. You cut off its lobster, lobster eyelids and ate them with her husband. (laughs) Sits there. Maybe you take the baby lobsters and and like gaffer tape it to the top of the mom. Here you go, kids. Bleach your seats. And then you you fucking dig in till you're covered with lobster sauce. Lobster sauce. That's a that's I think that's a ping pong thing. 
I have to. Oh, oh J- John. Now, can I ask you a question? The um, what? the now the sheep. Like I think about how I like. We we we've dined out. You see, mm-hmm. what are you a rare, yeah. medium rare kind of guy? You're a medium rare. Guy. Yeah, some medium rare. I, mean, I like rare, um, I like a rare if it's really burned on the outside, like a Pittsburgh style. That's kind of like that's a right. sheep. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's they, they my... used to make that. There was a place in a, uh, in Alaska called the Double Musky. Uh, that's like a, it's it, it's way out in the forest, but they 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 have some they have like a Michelin star or something because because they, <laughs> nobody they, knows how to take it away. <laughs> <laughs> they get these steaks that are the size of rugby balls, and the way they cook them is they just they have a fireplace like a big fireplace More, like a, like a baseball or a tomahawk. No, like a like a like a rugby ball. I mean, the, the, these I steaks. You ever are, had a baseball steak? Yeah, okay. I had one in Sun Valley one time. I was so stoned I couldn't finish it. Because there's the other thing about being stoned. You get halfway into a steak and you get super grossed out because you're high. Oh, you try, know, try sushi. You're thinking about it too much. It happens to me when sushi gets warm, I get real humane. Mm-hmm. You okay, so anyway, so so you you're out in the you're out in the woods. There's oh, a mich- anyway, there's a so Michelin the double musky making... takes these okay. huge steaks, these gigantic, gorgeous steaks. And they just throw them in a fireplace. And that gets you a Michelin star. I've heard that. Hmm, I've heard that called uh, Pittsburgh, and I've heard, heard it called Black and Blue. I think it's a. I think if Pittsburgh is the the origin of that. I think That's Pittsburgh not, is when you know what we're going to get corrected by ourselves. Have you been to Pittsburgh? Um, no, but I'm from Ohio, so I, I know enough not to go there. Pittsburgh. If you've been to Pittsburgh, that is an appropriate like the the burned on the outside, rare on the inside steak is an appropriate metaphor for the city. Can't okay, write that down. Pittsburgh. Uh, don't overthink it. Monongahela. Uh, okay. Uh, the, it's the uh, don't wait, don't tell me it's the Ohio, the I know this. Um, oh, such a great word. And there's three. There's three. That's right. Rivers. It's the name them. Hang on. It's the Allegheny. Oh, hey, Allegheny, the Ohio, and the Monongahela. Uh, well, the the Allegheny Shit. and the Monongahela like go uh, 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 beat uh, like make the Ohio. So yes, those are the three rivers. I'm from Cincinnati, and I will not hear any talk like that. Let me ask you this real quick. Uh, top of your head, don't think about a Pittsburgh versus Detroit, which is worse. Detroit, right? Oh, Detroit's a thousand times worse. Pittsburgh isn't even really bad anymore. You they see, tore down all the the abandoned factories in Pittsburgh and replaced them with predictable like malls and baseball stadiums, cheesecake factories. But when you first, when I first went to Pittsburgh back in the '80s, mm-hmm. holy moly! You oh, that was when it was. Like, that was really when the whole Rust Belt. They were still struggling to get away from the Rust Belt. Like, well, they were closing all the factories down, <sighs> and the union people something made very hot today. Cold. I thought that was. Do you remember that? That was that. That one was that the Nylon Curtain where he just had a bunch of fucking fake Bruce Springsteen songs. He had the. Uh, uh, we'll all go down together. That's a different one. Is that? That's not Allentown. That's uh, Goodnight Saigon. Hello, hello Hanoi. What's that called? There was a, there was a certain point in the Good night, Saigon. <clears throat> the certain point in the canon of Billy Joel, yeah, which I um, I'd like to man that canon, which, which I locate somewhere around the first note that Billy Joel ever sang, where I stopped oh, paying attention. Oh, that is to, so to reductive. Music. That <laughs> he's really terrible. I'm not gonna lie, to John Rock. I'm still stinging over the Kiss thing, but you know what? I'm not gonna take that with Billy Joel. You know there's what? A, there's you, a whole you, lot maybe, of you can say stranger. You want to say glass houses? Fine. Mm-hmm. You know that's fine. You know I'm just saying you won't even a go, bottle you, of red, a bottle of white. Off for later. You tell me you don't like Piano Man at all. I do not. It's a waltz. Like piano Man at all. 
I you think, don't like Piano I Man think, at all? I think that song... You don't like the last verse of that garbage. song? The that, piano that, sounds like a carnival! <laughs> you don't like is, that? This is a, The Piano Man is a perfect example of how the American listening public has no clothes. Oh, Jesus People, people respond to this guy sitting up there with his horseshit story, and they're like, Oh, I'm so, oh, so my sad! God, you are so... Man, you're so fucking dead man. inside. But that said, I think Allentown is a kick-ass jam. You know what it is? If even if it had different words, I think I you know what's weird about Billy Joel is I think some of his strongest songs, like Hall and Oates, are mid-tempo numbers. I think Hmm. America is afraid of a good mid-tempo song. I love Hall and Oates. Oh, well think about what is that? What song is that? It's a Is that private? One of those Hall and Oates songs. Is that private? Oh, by the way, I've been told by numerous people, no, including my friend Dr. Donald Schaffner, that when you sing the Janet Jackson version of my name, sing it. Merlin, man, they're watching you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I did. I did that probably a little bit, like a quarter. Wow. Five. Private no, that's, eyes. That's interesting. Try it. Try it. Try it. Sing, Janet Jackson. Sing, sing it to the sing it to the tune of Private Eyes. Merlin, man. He's watching. Uh, you me. missed a you missed a little you missed a little Gosando. Merlin man. Okay. Watching you. Oh my gosh, this John. Every move. Baby. I have the thing, uh, the thing the reason that Allentown is such a great jam is it uses that same shink like fake shink. synthesizer. It's like a Pink Floyd kind of sound. Well, you know, I, I think in Allentown it's meant to symbolize the the uh the sledgehammer hitting the the um yeah, yeah, the, the thing, the ingot or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's the same exact sound that is in ZZ Top's sleeping bag, which is, which is the last good. That's, that's ZZ the, Top is song. that is that the sleeper on uh, what's it called? A destroyer, destroyer, rock and roll over. What's the name? Exterminator. What's it's the one. No, see the the, the record after Eliminator oh, was one Eliminator. of the classic records of the eighties, and the record after that, after they became <laughs> cartoons. And it got more called, synth- like the synthesizers worked. I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. The it, synthesizers it, really worked. And, and would you say you've written about this? That's your favorite for you. Actually, what was that? NPR? You were somewhere talking about Eliminator. I, I keep trying where to make was that. Where'd you talk people. about that? I talk about it everywhere you Pitchfork? go. Pitchfork. If, if, if you if you ever waited for a bus in Seattle, Jesse at Thorne. some point we've had this conversation because I go up to people at bus stops and I say, "Listen, have you ever really listened to Eliminator? Now I know it's non-canonical. I know you're supposed to only mm-hmm. like the the you know." Trey's Ombre's mm-hmm. era of ZZ Top, but I swear to you, Eliminator is a is a. Uh, is you a described American you were class. on uh, the Crackpot Jesse Thorne thing, and mm-hmm. you described it extremely well. I think you, as well as you could articulate an album that's not really that good. I think you made a really good case for it. <laughs> but here's the problem: Afterburner, yeah, here's the problem: the record that came right after right. Eliminator, and you used all the same formula. Afterburner was just a it was just a steaming plate of horseshit. It's terrible. Did they Except take the that, synthesizer? Because the synthesizer part of what really makes that f- the previous record work. Did they? Did they kind of overdo it? Not the just the synthesizer. Okay. It was the it was the synsonics drums. It was all the it was all the fake sounds. But the problem with Afterburner is that they forgot that that, that there needs to be a long guitar solo in the center of every tune. That's true. You can't you can't have a ZZ Top tune and not have it. This is the thing ACDC never forgot. You come to the solo. Mm-hmm. You modulate up a half a step. And you and the the center of the tune has to be a guitar solo. That's like, an awesome. That's an awesome tricky underused. You're saying half a step. You're saying like you go E to F. 
you'll eat f and and you don't it's not a thing where it's not a thing where you sing the chorus again a half a step i know up. the truck driver changed where you, you just go modulate the, up yeah. for the guitar solo and then you come back down and no one even notices it happened but it makes yeah. the guitar solo oh just, no it freshens everything you know what i also the, like i like uh my band did this on a couple songs you uh, you do the core I'm going to write that down because i got to come back to something very important that happened. I, I've been seeing Bacon Ray a lot lately. I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Somebody remastered our, our, our good record for us. Somebody using the technology that we did not have in 1999, he remastered our record, and it's completely different. I won't make you listen to it because I know you don't like music. He did it like pro bono or he did it? Yeah, he's a friend of ours who like, you know, uh-huh. he's like friends with Tom Dowd and stuff. Like he's a really good producer in Florida of all places. And he is has the ability. John, is it possible to go in and do stuff? Like, he added separation to the drums. It's crazy. He must have, like, the equalizer from hell. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Anyway, this is boring. Uh, what was I going to say? Tejas, LaGrange, uh, ZZ Top, Synthesizers. God damn it. I hoid it. I hoid it. I hoid it on the X. That's the funny thing about this. Sean Nelson was the one that pointed this out to me. Peso, peso, peso. That there's a kind of southern accent that ZZ Top resorts to sometimes that also... CCR also CCR. Uh, CCR does it, and and uh, uh, and Jackie Gleason as the sheriff in um, in Smokey and the Bandit right. also had it, where the Southern accent takes on characters of a kind of Queens Bronx accent. I hoid like, it through hoid the grapevine. Uh, yeah, I hoid it through the grapevine. Like where where those two accents both both come up with the the herd to hoid. Well, you, you'll remember a few episodes ago when I was doing. I think it comes from. I think it comes from. What would that be? That, that's the, what's that stuff? It's not Charlie Patton. It's not Sunhouse. What is it? That's, that's, that's not exactly Chicago. What would you call that when you do the, uh, you know, not back to the bone? But when you do that, what, what style is that? Is that Delta? That's not really yeah, Delta, that's right? Sure. But I think that's that kind of like I think that's where that comes from. I think it comes from some kind of not quite Robert Johnson era blues, but not quite Chicago blues. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but before the before the musical aspect of it, it's the way people actually talk down. Oh yeah, it sounds a lot like uh, like the way people sound in. Um... Band. I need to get back in a fucking band because I got the blues. Oh, you do have the blues. I got the blues. I, I got the blues from my baby by the uh, San Francisco Bay. I have the blues so bad that I uh, that I have forgotten to play the blues. And if that doesn't give a person the blues, you know what? I, I screw up sometimes. Can I tell you what I do? This is so embarrassing. This is worse than masturbating on a sandwich in a bathtub. Sometimes, hey, easy there. Sometimes I accidentally. And it's not. I'm not trying to do some twelve tone thing here. Sometimes I accident accidentally do ten bar blues or fourteen bar blues. What's wrong with that? Well, I don't think that's right. The, the, there's no right in blues. Hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. There's no wrong in blues. There's no wrong in blues. I think that's ping pong talk. No, no, no. There's no wrong in blues, and just like there's no wrong in jazz. Oh, the thing about see, it, the, that is such a misconception. The thing about jazz is, if you if you play a wrong note, you just play it three more times, and it's and it's a motif. 
In blues, no, I, I you know what I think you can throw anything in a blues song. I think that works for Monk, and I think that works for Miles Davis. I think most people just aren't practicing enough. The other people, or you got your teeth kicked out, like Chet Baker. I think most people, they're you know, there's you a know, lot of tremendously bad jazz. There, oh, John, John Roderick. Oh, there. I need a much much bigger card. Bad jazz. Oh, I got such a problem with bad jazz. You, Here, you know, you know my dad's my dad's uh, premise about jazz. I don't. He, he used to say, when. Do it. Do the voice. <laughs> when there stopped being eight saxophones and there was only <laughs> one guy soloing the whole time, that's not jazz. That's just everybody soloing at the everybody solos at once. My dad stopped listening to music in nineteen or stopped listening to new music in nineteen fifty. Smart. Was, he, was, he, into, was he into trad? That's what they call it in England, right? You got trad jazz. Well, he wouldn't even call it that. It was big band jazz. Yeah, uh, and he if, listened to it till the day he died. Oh, big band can be fun. And listen to it with a passion. I mean, it's not like he like loud. Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't like uh, his appreciation of music didn't trail off. He just listened to the same Benny Goodman records. Really, and Count Basie and Duke Ellington and and uh, you know uh, he listened to him and 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 he had friends that I mean they 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 traded tapes. These guys. Was he born in what, like the late twenties, early thirties? Early, early twenties, nineteen twenty-one. You have got to be kidding me. He had a friend that owned a record store. Wait, he was forty-five when you were born. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, but he, uh, his friend would make him eight tracks of these. Uh, like he would discover these live cuts or these these um, these kind of. B-side, or not B-side, but like unreleased tracks mm -hmm. that these guys would, they'd cut, they'd cut a tune and they'd be like, I think we got a better one. But somehow the, the original right. cut would survive. And he would put these on these, these eight tracks. We had all these eight That's tracks. Bill Evans, most, Bill Evans, most best known record is like three takes of each song, <laughs> right? Like what is it? What's it called? Uh, scoring, scoring H in the village. What's it called? See, Those that guys sounds like huge. some hipster jazz. That's hipster, that's hipster jazz. No, nah, Bill Evans. He you know, had problems. But I think you're totally right. And you know what? I think long before The Grateful Dead and The Fish, I think there were people, especially, I, I think of it as being the real-to-real -real people. I remember when you first could record on the 8-tracks, but I think at that time, some people looked down their nose. Just, you know, I didn't know a lot of people like this, but, you know, my parents' friends who were really into that kind of music yeah. were I like— I knew a guy that had—, had a whole wall of reels. Yeah, well, know those people, and, and there are people to this day, probably John, John Vanderslice will slide into that at some point, probably. Don't you think? Oh, you think he's headed that direction? Where you think vinyl he's going just the other isn't way? audiophiliac enough, and he needs, to, he needs to get all his music on reel-to-reel? -reel? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a real commitment. I mean, even at the time, it was a real commitment. But uh, uh, those, organization. Are, those are the guys with the Macintosh stereos. My dad was, was never... If my dad had... Four hundred dollars. Yeah, and he was looking at a Macintosh receiver that was four hundred dollars. Macintosh, the costly stereo, the costly stereo. Okay, not Macintosh, the later yep. computer. He was looking at a uh, at a four hundred dollars stereo. He had four hundred dollars in his hand. Four hundred dollars stereo, or door number two, uh, a uh, an Apple crate with ten. $40 stereos in it. <laughs> My dad would absolutely buy the Apple crate and think he had gotten a hell of a deal. He's, he, from, a, he's from a certain time. He would come in and he'd be like, look at all these stereos I got. And I would pick through it and I'd be like, God, this is all garbage. And he's like, what are you talking about? I got 10 of them. And then there'd be these like little shit stereos all over the house. All, you know, all, all of them sounding like you're listening to music through a phone. 
My dad's like, it's great. I got 10 of these. I, I, everything our family ever got, our, there was no one whiter than our family. And everything that they got came from some kind of special offer. I'm pretty sure. Like everything we got started with like S&H green stamps or joining Columbia House. We didn't have green stamps on the West Coast, or at least I never saw one. There was two kinds. They they they, they battled. They were like the pennies and Sears. Uh, there was like S&H green stamps, and then there was another one. I don't remember. You didn't which. have S&H as part of the problem. You know what? There's a very very important story that I have to tell you at some point about the day I got somebody else's package from Columbia House, and it changed Ooh. everything. Oh my goodness! They ordered some Talking Heads records or something. Well, you're, you're not going to love this because I know you don't love all of these, but okay. What, hmm. what was in somebody else's? What was in quote somebody else's Columbia Records package? Well, you know this was a huge racket. I was just reading about this one guy that had, I don't know, like a thousand times signed up. He had fake PO boxes. Oh, there's so a, he got the ten records for a penny, and then oh, and then he bailed. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and do good show notes this week. I've been you know busy with the stuff, but uh, there was a wonderful article about the decline of Columbia House, and uh, not 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 because people were of, ripping them off. Well, that's part of it, but it's also just the change in you know everything. You know, the people cha- they were going through the change. Yeah, yeah, they did the the, men, the menarchy of music. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's a good so, what one. was in this? Well, that is good. <laughs> I'm Merlin Man, and that was really good. Mm-hmm. Tell me about what was in that record package. For people who are just tuning in, I'd like to just do a really quick review of all the things that we haven't gotten to talk about. Just this will only take all a right, second. All right, yeah, break it down. <clears throat> you ready? Yeah. And this is just this is just the ones I caught: Ephedrin and Mucinex. Being famous. oh yeah yeah oh I need to talk about both of those. Things. I know, John. This is the problem. This is why we need to move to a daily format. Uh, being famous uh, before twenty seven, yeah. uh, the tertiary problem it's of a- greatness, Hospitaliano, our mall, NIMBY, and why it's your fault. Why I hate the New York Times. The, my three favorite kinds of Subway sandwiches: extra meat for a dollar, throwing fish and or goats, the double musky. What is the difference between a sheep and a goat? Uh, hmm. A friend I have that makes whole animal meals as a business. Uh, Pittsburgh versus Detroit, and how I want you to talk about Detroit. You don't like the piano. Yeah. Man, uh, what my two? I really want. We got to talk about this. My my two karaoke songs. I want to talk about Jesse Thorne. Karaoke. I will talk about Jesse Thorne though. Oh, well, my question is: Did you get to the end? What was your question? Did you get to the end of the list? What was the one you just said a minute ago? Uh, I will talk about Detroit. Oh, they said something about Jesse Thorne. Oh, I will talk about Jesse Thorne too. Yeah, that's a whole different show. The um, did Billy Gibbons play with a peso? Macintosh versus Macintosh and Fairlights. My two idea of the most expensive things in the world, and Columbia House. <sighs> did you know that one of the first records I ever oh, bought boy, was there a, we go. Uh, was the <clears throat> eight track of Studio Fifty, the greatest hits of Studio Fifty Four. I love disco. That was I got. I bought that off the television. What era? We're talking about like 77, 76? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was one of those like, get it now. Mm-hmm. The greatest hits of Studio 54 on 8-track and cassette. I had so many things. Like, I, you know, I have one from uh, KTEL called Solid Gold that still has like some of my favorite. It's got like Renegade. Remember that record? Doctor, Give Me the News, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, I got a bad case loving you. I had an 8-track of... I'm I think surprised it was, Billy Joel didn't write that. I had an 8... <laughs> With that, like, overdone vibrato. I bought a <laughs> it sounds so much like Born to be Wild. Um, oh, oh, John, that, this is that hard. Whole, that, whole, like, that whole fake working guy thing. Uh, even if even if you were, I mean, Billy Joel. Are you going to talk about Bruce Springsteen? Because that might make me a little mad. I'm not going to talk about Bruce Springsteen. He's not that rich. He's not. I don't think he's a, I don't think Bruce Springsteen. I think he's pretty. Hey. I don't think he's pretty fucking rich. Yeah. Oh, he's rich. Are you kidding me? <laughs> He could he could he could eat anything he wants in anybody's bathtub. Bruce Springsteen rides a llama out <laughs> to the mailbox in the morning. Like 
<laughs> a, giant, a, a giant novelty-sized mailbox to hold his has, giant novelty-sized checks. He has a guy. Actually, he has a whole bunch of little people who ride llamas around his estate. On his behalf? Just all, so. All dressed like him? <laughs> it's like just, the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> No, he has a he has he has ostriches roaming his whole estate, and and and, and he has people riding them, jousting each other. Oh, wearing that's bandanas. That's his favorite video game. He's like, I love the video game Joust. I want to buy I, buy twenty five ostriches. I want to see it. I want to see it in real life. Can you imagine the horror of going to the Bruce Springsteen estate and it's all real life video games? And you're like, holy shit. And he goes, yeah, let me ask you a question. Do you remember a little game called Burger Time? I, I really, I really should go. Could you call me an ostrich? Like, Dig Doug, let's go down in the basement. I have a glass wall. We can see them working. Do you have, uh, this is a, uh, a performative uh, self-serving question. Do you, have a, do you have a karaoke song? I hate karaoke. Was, a, that was not the question, John. Do you have a karaoke song? It's such a busman's holiday for me. I do. I do. Oh, it's so trying, John. <sighs> I do have a karaoke song. And, what is and, it? And, and, well, it's, um, um, what you, what you call it? Um, brandy. It's Brandy. The You're second. a fine girl. Oh. What a good wife you would be. Such a fine girl. My wife, my love, and my lady. Is it's, a, da, 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 da. it's a it's a great tune. It is a great tune. And but, but and the reason that it's my karaoke song is that it falls ju- right in my register. That's the key. Can, that's the key. That there's two keys to. I'm sorry. There's two keys oh, no. to karaoke. One of them is so the second one is it must be in your range. The first one is you must have the slightest clue how the song goes. But this is the problem with brandy. Yeah, it falls right. Uh, what I was about to say is it falls right in my register between. The two places where I'm comfortable singing. So it's either I can sing it either an octave up where it's where I'm really straining and it's too high. But if I'm like if I'm really feeling it or I sing it an octave down and it's too low. So this is why I hate karaoke, because my karaoke song is not in a in a comfortable range. for me. That's the first thing you've hated that I have any fucking sympathy for. That's a very that is a very in in our entire friendship. That is the first thing I've hated that you've had any sympathy. I, I can't tell if we've been, it was like 2002, 2003, probably 2000, I don't know, I don't remember. But the point, no, it must have been 2002. No, you're a completely unsympathetic character, but you just <laughs> accidentally showed a little bit of yourself. Not when you talked about masturbating with a submarine sandwich, but when you brought it out that there's a register. With a sandwich, I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting off this easy. That's terrible. All right. <laughs>